The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, the boys will investigate outdoor legislation and draw their own conclusions with help from Andrew McKean with Outdoor Life. He'll take on the Farm Bill. Then Steve Klein from TRCP will analyze the SHARE Act. Scott Haid, who is the director for the U.S. Sportsman Alliance for Alaska, will pick apart the Bristol Bay Pebble Mine Project. And finally, the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman Alliance, Nick Pinizzato, will talk about Virginia's Sunday hunting ban. And it's presented by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jim and Trav. Great movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Never even heard of it. Me either. When is this <laughs> called the Olympics going to end? I feel like we've, I think been this stuck, we've been stuck in purgatory for decades. Have you seen the photos coming out of Sochi? They, they showed like Lolo Jones in the cafeteria eating what looks like what I feed my dog, like the wet dog food. It looks terrible. Looks like she's eating a baby. Seriously, Google Lolo Jones in the Olympics. Who's I, Lolo Jones? I, she's Well, she's a track star turned bobsledder, I think. Really? That's typical. Not joking, yeah. I was on track. Really? Then I veered off. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about outdoor legislation on today's show. Uh, Coming up after the break, though, I mean, we're going to talk for a little bit. We're all going to watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. We're going to be joined by Andrew McKeon uh, from Outdoor Life. He's going to be talking about the Farm Bill. Plus, uh, Steve Klein with TRCP talking about the SHARE Act. How about Scott Hayde, who's the director of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance for Alaska, talking about the Bristol Bay uh, Pebble Mine Project. Also, Nick Pinazato, who is the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, Going to be talking about the Sunday hunting ban. A lot of good stuff on today's show. Yes. Jimmy! What's up, buddy? Um, Not too much. This is on. Yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of great things are happening out there. We're moving on. I'm moving from the Olympics. Yeah, good things happening out there, uh, especially in California. Yeah. Uh, we're not sure what uh, what Miss Bunny's bringing to us this morning, but uh, it's always good. I'm being joined by Mrs. Bunny. Now, the Ninth Circuit um, upsets California's anti-gun movement because basically... Now, this is strange because these people are normally so left-wing. Yeah, that, like, where did this come out of? Like, I mean, they, they started wing nuts. They, they actually said, get this. That goes against the Constitution, the Second Amendment. You can't do that. Basically, they were making people like, okay... Just saying that you want to have uh, a gun for personal protection, that wasn't enough. They actually, in, in some counties, wanted you to go in there and have a restraining order. Like, you had to have proof that you needed to have a firearm. And it couldn't be, like, a restraining order because the guy's talking too much. Like, they wanted to see you in, like, in in personal peril. <laughs> like, you're in danger. If you don't carry a gun, you're going to die is basically they wanted, right? Yeah, basically. So, a two-to-one Serious. ruling. A two-to-one ruling. A three-panel judge in the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals struck down down, um, California concealed carry rules because two of the three judges believe that California counties were wrong requiring unconstitutional. They were wrong requiring law-abiding applicants um, for concealed carry permits to show "quote unquote" good cause beyond simple self-defense to receive a concealed carry permit. So basically, it wasn't good enough that you wanted just to have a concealed carry for self-defense. You had to go in there and show probable cause that you are so imperiled that you need to have one that they would grant it to you. And if you didn't have good cause, quote unquote. 
unquote, then they wouldn't grant it to you. So a lot of the sheriffs and police chiefs narrowly interpret the good cause, like Trav said, um, as like a restraining order as evidence of an escalated threat beyond simple self-defense. Yeah, I love this one. Uh, they must show good moral character. Yeah. Oh. Now, this is spoken to the police officers that beat the fire out of Rodney King. <laughs> yeah, has anyone heard of Rodney King, people? Yeah. You know, I, in one place, this is no joke. I mean, they made you jump through hoops, literally. They got, like, hoops and set them on fire, and you had to jump through them. I mean, you it was crazy. Dog. The, I mean, it, it's it, it, at this moment, it sounds... Sounds like great news. However, okay. Oh, it's so going to get shot down, though. The judge, I mean. Judge O'Scanlan, wrote um, this for the majority. He says, The right to bear arms includes the right to carry an operable firearm outside the home for the lawful purpose of self defense. But if you bought them from Chicago Bob, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll find out later about that. Yeah. But later on, in his opinion, he also wrote that we are not holding that the Second Amendment requires the state to permit concealed carry. So he's not saying that the state has to permit concealed carry, but the Second Amendment does require that the state permit some form of carry for self-defense outside the home. So they're not even saying that that they think it's constitutional. This this is more than likely going to end up in front of the Supreme Court. You know, if you've got a shotgun shell in your pocket and a brick, concealed carry. What's amazing is today I hopped on uh, uh, Fox News, you know, right there on the homepage. All this stuff about Second Amendment issues pops up like this whole big uh, debacle there in Florida about uh, lawmakers take aim at uh, backyard gun ranges. You know, Florida is one of the most lenient states uh, when it comes to Second Amendment issues. And I mean, they're wanting to um, smack down people that are responsibly target shooting in their backyard. They don't even want you to do that. Well, if it's in little Cuba or South Beach. You may have a problem. There's gunfire all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they are practicing because they're not hitting anything. They're I not think, hitting crap. I think Florida has a hard time. They got a bad rap because of the George Zimmerman trial. And then recently, uh, wasn't it Florida that had um, the Dunn mistrial? Uh, also a stand your ground issue. You know, I think they're struggling with that. But Connecticut lawmakers are having a hard time because um, they passed some legislation kind of hastily. You're supposed to um, register your firearm. Yeah. As of uh, January 1st, that... Um, all firearm owners of semiotic firearms were supposed to be registered by the end of 2013, and that leaves 20,000 to 100,000 people um, unregistered, and that means they are Class D felons now. <laughs> I, I, they passed faux pas a long time yeah. ago. I chalked that up to taxes. I'm like, I was supposed to do that? Ah, whatever. I'll pay that. Never. Well, actually, they're, they're really you believing know? that this is in protest. Of this particular right, yeah, that's uh, what they ruling. said. Some they say some people just are kind of incompetent and they're ignorant. Or, they they don't understand. But they said a lot of people think that um, their constituents, the legislators, are saying their constituents are telling them that the fair, failure is just an act of protest, saying screw that, um, we're committing civil disobedience or, because we don't believe in this. How about? Times are tough and people are just busy. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes I forget to wash my hair. It's not because I don't want to. It's because, well, I have other pressing matters. I don't need to go register a firearm that I've had for 10 years that I don't even think about. I, I don't think it has anything to do with protest to be serious. I just think it's kind of. You I overlook now, now, it. Let's look at both ends of the spectrum. Now, you've got, uh, you said Connecticut, right? Right. With uh, registering your semi-automatic right. rifles. Yeah. Okay. Now you've got some town in, in the Carolinas or in uh, West Virginia that it is a ruling that you must have a firearm, a weapon in your house. Yeah. I mean, if you spell firearm in New York, you're going to prison. 
<laughs> they send you to Chicago. For life. <laughs> oh, God, it's terrible. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, it, it's amazing that we have all these people in power, and they're supposed to be you working a, as a unified team, right? Uh-huh. And they are so conflicting in everything they do. You go from state to state, and it's like, oh, this state contradicts this state. Nobody does what Illinois is doing. They're like the redhead <laughs> stepchild. Um, you, you know what I'm saying, though? I, it, With it's a just palette. want to smack that face like Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. You smack it and you'll find All out. Right, so we are talking about outdoor legislation on today's show. Mrs. Bunny, are, are you going to stick around or not? Probably not. She doesn't want to. Yeah. No. I was really hoping that we'd have like voice of reason today. <laughs> Uh, after the break, though, Andrew McKean, he's going to be coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the editor-in-chief of Outdoor Life magazine. Great guy. We've had him on the show. He's a good friend of the uh, Revolution Radio Show. Uh, we're also going to hear from uh, Steve Klein with TRCP talking about the SHARE Act. How about Scott Hayde, who's the director of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance for Alaska, talking about the Bristol Bay uh, Pebble Mine Project. Also, Nick Pinazato, who's the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance, uh, going to be talking about the Sunday hunting ban. It's going to be pretty cool. Make sure you hop on Facebook, though. Check us out. That's right. At uh, Facebook.com forward slash Adventures of Dad Me. Like it. Follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com. Forward slash ADB Dad and Me. There you go. Uh, Cool things to come. Here is a quick word from Mark. Listen to him. He's a nice guy. I wish you could see uh, Trav in the studio this morning. Do you think that he was was, uh, conducting the Boston Philharmonic? I point. Points, raises (laughs) his arms. Holy cow. I'm wearing a rain jacket right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even raining. Uh, Anyways, uh, we want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel. Hop online, check us out and them. OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. Also, Ruger. Ruger Ruger.com. High Mountain Seasonings. H-I-M-T-N-G. Jerky.com and Cabela's, world's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. Mrs. Bunny, thank you so much. You betcha. Thanks uh, for telling us that our country is screwed up. You betcha. <laughs> that was really cool. All right, here's a quick word from Mark. We'll return with Andrew McKeon in just a second. Outdoor channel on creepy crawlies. They'll suck the life right out of you. With summer only a few short months away, it's best to study up now and to prepare yourself for the bugs that come with it. Did you know that ticks must be connected to their host for at least a day and a half to 36 hours to pass Lyme disease on? And each year, there are more than 30,000 reported cases of Lyme disease in the U.S. Now, for in-depth outdoor advice and fun facts, punch in outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution in your web browser and enjoy hours of outdoor or fun and we'll return in a moment lee and tiffany michael waddell jim shockey the biggest names come together on hunting's biggest night are you kidding me wild game innovations sunday night on the hunt whitetails turkeys and big game chase from the farthest reaches of the globe Wild Game Innovation Sunday Night on the Hunt, brought to you in part by Wild Game's digital trail cameras. Sunday starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Outdoor Channel. True to the core. Located in the heart of Maui's premier resort, Kanapali Beach Hotel is officially recognized as Hawaii's most Hawaiian hotel and the number one best value in Hawaii. With a range of accommodations and affordable dining options, this is the ideal setting to turn Hawaiian dreams into lifelong memories. Live Hawaiian entertainment every evening, free year-round children's programs, weekly arts and crafts fairs, welcome breakfast, and departure kukui lei ceremonies add to the value. Swim in the whale-shaped pool, indulge in the 
fabulous spa and hotel salon. Enjoy Hawaiian hospitality at its best at the Ka'anapali Beach Hotel. Call 800-262-8450 or go to kbhmaui.com. That's kbhmaui.com. Aloha. Ka'anapali Beach Hotel, Maui's Hawaiian Hotel. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. There are no words to describe it. Hear the voice. If you're just joining us, you just missed old Miss Bunny. Man, she's got a lot of great stuff she was talking about this morning. Yeah, she's a smart lady. I'm, fi- I'm figuring <laughs> that out. hang with us? Slowly. <laughs> All right, so our phone lines are open, 785-846-7647, uh, tackling some outdoor issues, some legislation on today's show. Just now being joined by the editor-in-chief of Outdoor Life. We love that. Mr. Andrew McKeon. How's it going, buddy? Good, gents. I'm pretty good. I'm out here in eastern Montana where the wind will not stop blowing, so... It's, I'm happy to talk to you instead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, it's always warm there. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's always warm. All right, so you just put out a great article. Is the Farm Bill really good for hunters? Um, now, we have been living off the 2008 Farm Bill up until uh, just recently. Is it good for um, outdoorsmen? I mean, there's a lot of things in here I think is positive. Uh, what's your take on it? You know, overall, yeah, I think the, the final conclusion is it is good for hunters and folks who like wildlife. Um, as you mentioned, we've been uh, living off an expired farm bill for two and a half years. And if you're a, if you're in agriculture in America, as a lot of your readers are, you know, agriculture or any business cannot live on uncertainty. Yeah. You've got to know what's coming up. And exactly. So to me, the, the kind of the biggest headline is, thank goodness, we've got certainty and we've got clarity. And so that that's really good direction for anybody who's looking at the springtime in terms of what to plant and where to plant it. When you really break it down, though, into what's good for hunters and wildlife, there's a couple of big headliners. The biggest deal to me, uh, and I say this as a farm kid from Missouri, and I still, we still do a little bit of farming here in Montana, is... yeah. For once, and this has been talked about for years and never has happened, finally, what's called conservation compliance, that is kind of Bingo. the policing of what's going on on the ground, is tied yeah. to your farm payments and to crop insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past, it wasn't. And so what that did, especially with, you guys know what wheat prices were doing? You know, $8 wheat, we we got corn prices that were setting record highs. Well, if you're a farmer, you're incentivized by that to say, man, you know, I've had that 140 acres in CRP for the last 10 years. I'm going to plow it Pull up. Pull it out, I yeah. a whole lot more money by putting it in row crops. And so that's what was happening. But the trouble with it was, especially kind of in your country, that 100th meridian, you know, which is the line in America where you kind of transition from enough rain to grow most crops to needing uh, irrigation. Yeah. Especially that 100th meridian from Texas all the way up through the, the Dakotas, a lot of guys were saying, I'm going to pull up that CRP and and plant it because even if the crop fails, I'm still going to get paid. Insurance payment for it. Right. And so what the new farm bill did, it was said, look, if you're going to uh, plow up marginal land, you can go ahead and get insurance on it. But if if it's truly marginal land, we're not going to pay your premium anymore. Ooh. And, that, and that was a really big deal. You know, a lot of people didn't know that. We, we The taxpayers of America were paying not only the, the payout when a crop failed, but also the premium. One thing that amazed me is that it seems like this is the first time, uh, at least in a long time, uh, that lawmakers are paying more attention to conservation. Do you just think that's because wildlife organizations are standing up? Or do you think that they're starting to see the negative consequences of the actions that have been taken over the, the past couple decades? 
Boy, that's a great question. You know, I think it's I think it's both. I think really? on the one hand, I think hunters and conservation groups have been making their case for years. Mm-hmm. It finally got listened that says, Hey, conservation pays. I mean, every dollar that you put in on the ground in terms of healthy landscapes comes back to little towns like I live in and to the local communities seven times. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I'm happy that I think this struck a balance between taking care of farmers who are feeding our country. Yeah, and keeping some functional landscapes functioning. You bet. Now the uh, the the sportsman's access. Now that that was increased, wasn't it? Yeah. Now that's an interesting deal to me. You know, uh, outdoor life is is uh, promoting access through our open country program. So I pay a mm-hmm. lot of attention to access around the country. And this was an interesting deal. Uh, four years ago, uh, in the last expired farm bill, there was I'm going to probably get the number wrong, but around thirty million dollars of federal money was given to states who could do what they called enhanced sportsman's access. So if you know, if Minnesota had a walk-in program for pheasants or if Kansas had a walk-in program or some sort of a way to put uh, sportsmen on private land through a, you know, a cooperative agreement, those states, through their fish and game agencies, got some federal money to enact those programs. Well, that went away after two years. And so a lot of these states you know, enacted these access programs. All of a sudden, they had no funding for them anymore. What this latest farm bill does is it restores and increases some of that money to go to states who are actually making a difference in terms of providing that access. Yeah. For a guy that doesn't know anything about the farm bill, you winged it really well. <laughs> you, you well now, can, now can I talk about human immunology? <laughs> I would love it. Yes, I've, I've been waiting with bated breath this whole time for this. Actually, now, his <laughs> breath does smell like bait. It, it smells really bad. All right, so food stamps and nutrition, $756 billion. Crop insurance, $89.8 billion. Conservation, $56 billion. That's number three in the list. Uh, commodity programs, $44.4 uh, billion everything else a lot of pork 8.2 billion dollars that is what makes up the farm bill that is a huge chunk of change and i just the gap between number one food stamps and nutrition 756 billion to crop insurance 89 let's basically round it up to 90 billion oh my gosh i mean that's 650 billion dollar difference that's ridiculous andrew Oh, you nailed it. I mean, here's the kind of dirty secret of the farm bill. It's not a farm bill. It's a food stamp bill. Exactly. That's what a lot of people have said about it is, you know, we, it's still, we're still promoting bad public policy by not incentivizing uh, people getting off of food stamps and nutrition programs, just like we've incentivized farmers to get off of commodity, uh, the, out of the commodity trough. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the thing about federal money and public policy. You can really start making a difference if you, uh, with how you spend your money, and that's the disappointing part of this farm bill, is there's yeah. still an awful lot of that that goes to food stamps. Now, I do have to say, a lot of it, I mean, I've got kids who eat school lunches. Uh, yeah. A lot of this is helping you know, school, schools with their school lunch program, too. So it's not all bad by any means, but that is a huge, colossal percentage of this farm bill is going not to on the ground, but to actually food programs. Yeah. I mean, it's really disappointing when it's cheaper for me to go fill up my uh, car with gas than it is to make my kids chocolate milk. <laughs> you yeah, know, it really I is. All right, so, so to find out more about outdoor life, Andrew McKeon, the world's smartest man, uh, that writes about outdoor issues. Where can we who find you? Who lives in Montana? Who lives in Montana, the heart of everything. Big where, sky country. Where can we find you online, buddy? 
well, why don't you go to OutdoorLife.com and see what we've got in terms of your daily helping. Ooh. You bet. Hey, that was Andrew McCann. He is the editor-in-chief. I love that. He's a big uh, man. Outdoor Life, a great man to uh, to be around. And obviously, if he thinks that the Farm Bill is light reading, we're going to send him Obamacare. <laughs> That's right. He can make sense of it when nobody else can. All right, coming up next, we got Scott Head from the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance for Alaska. He's going to be talking about the Bristol Bay Pebble Mine Project. Uh, that's a colossal train wreck right there. Anyways, we want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel. OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. How about Ruger? Ruger.com. High Mount Seasonings. H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Also Cabela's World's Foremost Outfitter at Cabela's.com. Here is a quick word from Mark. Take a listen to it. Mr. Andrew McKeon, thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate you. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Outdoor Channel on Campfire Safety. Listen to Smokey. More than 83% of all forest fires are created by humans, and wildfires are probably more common than you think. Over 100,000 wildfires occur every year in the United States alone, and in 2006, more than 10 million acres went up in smoke. So for great camping and safety advice, just head for OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. For 20 years, Outdoor Channel brings you television you don't just watch, but brings you closer with information you can use. With expert talent you can't find anywhere else. Jim Shockey, Ted Nugent, Lee and Tiffany, Michael Waddell, and more. And now we've got more of what you love with new original series that go outside to get to the heart of what is inside. Outdoor Channel, true to the core. Get it today. Call 855-44-OUTDOOR. Free mouth-watering jerky making kits by High Mountain Seasoning to transform your ducks and geese into a feast. Look for the Bucking Horse logo at a store near you. The Ruger LC380 is the perfect pairing of the award-winning LC9 pistol and the popular 380 auto cartridge. The LC380 is the same size as the LC9, yet offers reduced recoil, making it Ruger's lightest recoiling personal protection pistol yet. It features a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, seven-round magazine and finger grip extension floor plate, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The Ruger LC380. Another rugged, reliable firearm from Ruger. Big bucks, big bulls, 248 hunting stories, hundreds of photos, Colorado's biggest bucks and bulls. Call 719-661-4037 today. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Wow, okay, who cares? Here are the boys. Hey, you're back on the air with Jim Trav, the full on show, but it's 785-846-7647. We just listened to old Andrew McKeon, the editor-in-chief of uh, Outdoor Life Magazine. Skinny Talking man. about the farm bill, but we got something bigger coming up. He's a skinny man. Andrew, he's just a, he's a svelte little man. <laughs> Such svelte. a nice guy. He is svelte. He's a great guy. I editor put, him in, put in my pocket. Andrew McKeon, I like the guy. Anyways, right now we're being joined by Scott Hayde, and he is the director for the Sportsman's Alliance uh, for Alaska. I think I said that right. Anyways, talking about the Bristol Bay Pebble Mine Project. Scott Hayde, uh, how's it going, buddy? Going great, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're, we're so glad you're here, man. Now, this has been uh, a big issue for quite a while now. And even Sarah Palin named her daughter after Bristol Bay. Good old I'm, Bristol. I'm, I'm guessing she's from Alaska. I just kind of threw that out there. Anyways, tell us but about this, But she also man. named her kids after Twig and Trig or Treg. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Anyways, man, uh, let's talk about this. How, how is this progressing? Well, not. it's uh, it's going pretty well. We've got some good momentum right now. I'll just give a very quick uh, intro background on what Pebble is. 
Uh, well, first of all, Bristol Bay is in southwest Alaska. It's the biggest wild salmon fishery left on the face of the earth. Tens of millions of salmon return there every single year. It's an area that sportsmen of all types, but we be they fly fishermen, salmon fishermen, yeah. uh, big game hunters, they dream of going to this place. As far as Alaska goes, Alaska's pretty great no matter where you're talking about, but Alaska's Bristol Bay is widely regarded as the best of the best, the cream of the crop. And don't they provide, area, is it 50% of sockeye salmon? I believe it's about 52% of global sockeye salmon comes from Bristol Bay. So that is crazy. Huge, fishery. Charlie the tuna stays out of there. I'm not going nowhere near that. (laughs) So basically you guys want to keep this nice and pristine because if uh, they advance um, this isn't going to be around or at least the way it is right now for too much longer. Well, no, I mean, the the reason this place is so productive is because it is remote and pristine and fairly untouched. And what's being proposed there is not just mining. Yeah. It is mining on a scale that has never been seen in Alaska nor North America. Yeah. Well, actually, cow. if you've ever been to Morency, Arizona, that is probably you know one of the largest copper mines. And holy cow, you could drop New York City in there and not even miss it. It's like I said, it's a scale that people really can't even comprehend. And the the impact of this thing, you know, EPA has been studying this this idea for about three years. They were asked by native people of the region, commercial fishermen, sport fishermen and hunters, to all, they all wanted EPA to come in and protect this area under the Clean Water Act. And EPA, instead of coming out and doing so, they said, well, first of all, we should really know what's out in Bristol Bay right now. What are the values that are found there? Yeah. And then what are the risks that those values would face from something on the scale of this proposed pebble mine? Now, I'm yeah. sorry, aren't they claiming, though, that the EPA has overreached kind of their territory, though? Of course, that's what the other side is claiming. Yeah. EPA, Supreme Court has upheld that EPA has authority to look at projects like this if they are going to impact waters relative to human consumption, recreation, wildlife, or fisheries. And the bar is only one of those four has to be met. EPA has oversight authority for Army Corps of Engineers permits that will be required to build monstrous dams to hold the mine waste in this area. So. EPA has every right to be involved, and the Supreme Court has upheld their right to be involved in projects like this. Yeah. Now, now the thing is, it is not necessarily the open pit mine problem, but it is the storage of all of this extra water in the event that a dam does break and washes all of these chemicals down into Bristol Bay and all of the tributaries that kind of feed in there from that drainage. That's the real question here, isn't it? It's a, it's one of the very big questions, you're right. I mean, the, the region that the mine would be proposed in the area is right in the headwaters of two of Bristol Bay's most productive salmon fishing rivers. And the fact of the matter is this uh, deposit, this copper and gold deposit, while it may be very large in size, it is extremely low grade. And there is so much waste that would have to be taken out of the ground and remain on site to get the little tiny percentage of valuable minerals out that we're talking close to 11 billion tons of mine waste that would have to get stored on site from now until the sun burns out. (laughs) And I don't know, I don't know that anyone can make a guarantee that there's anything fail safe that that's going to stay there forever. It's an area that's very wet. It's an area that gets frequent seismic activity. And I don't think anyone can tell you that that's always going to be safe. Yeah. Once again, we've talked with uh, Scott Hayde uh, and he's the director for the uh, Sportsman's Alliance for Alaska. Now, question is, Okay, we have all these loons. We have PETA. We have all these different organizations. We've got global warming. Everybody and their brother is standing up, okay? Why aren't they doing that for here? 
I mean, why isn't more uh, groups? I know they probably don't want to like, um, you know, outdoor community has cooties. They don't want to hold hands and join with us. But I mean, this is a major issue that could permanently alter Bristol Bay uh, for the negative permanently. Till the sunbirds out. Yeah, till the sunbirds out. You put that, you know, I know there is an expiration yeah. date on the sun and it's going to happen eventually. But why isn't more... Um, organizations joining us. And, you know, I mean, the government wants to pretend like they want to protect everything. A bunch of lying piece of craps. Um, but <laughs> why, are, why, why aren't they doing this? Here, here's an interesting thing. This fight has done a few things that nobody would have thought possible. Number one, it has got the three user groups who rely on the salmon fishery of Bristol Bay to work together. Now, all those three user groups have traditionally fought over allocation of the of the fish resource. Mm-hmm. Now, this thing came along, Pebble, and it brought a threat on the horizon that is so damaging potentially to all of their features that they're working together. So that's great. Then I've been working, as I said, with the, with the outdoor community from the hunting side to the fishing side, and that's great to get them all working together. But you did mention, you know, what about like the enviro groups? Some of them have been pretty involved lately because what one thing they're really good at is turning out the numbers of people to, you know, send in comments and stuff. So the traditional green environmental community has been involved in this campaign. But, you know, this campaign is all about the local people of Bristol Bay, the natives, the commercial fishermen, the sport fishermen and hunters, and the rest of the country standing behind them to protect this place that is so important on a global scale. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Scott Hag, and this guy knows a heck of a lot about the Pebble Mine Project up in Alaska. Again, uh, go to uh, SaveBristolBay.org and uh, sign up there and do all the things that Scott suggested you do. Yeah, Scott Hayde, he's the director for the Sportsman's Alliance for Alaska. Well, coming up after the break, we're going to have Steve Klein on. He's from DRCP talking about the SHARE Act. Everybody needs to share and get along. Uh, uh, Mr. Scott, man, very interesting, buddy. Uh, we'll definitely have to uh, keep in touch with you to see how this is going. But I uh, hear is a quick word from Mark. We want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel, outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution. Also, Ruger, High Mountain Seasonings, and Cabela's. We got to get to a break. Once again, Steve Klein, he is coming up next. Mr. Scott, man, thanks so much, buddy. Thanks for having me. Outdoor Channel on setting records. So you think you've got it bad this winter? The record low temperature in the United States was recorded in Prospect Creek, Alaska at negative 79.8 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you prefer warmer temps, you should try camping in Death Valley this summer because the record high temperature in the United States was recorded in Death Valley, California at 134 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, for more outdoor facts and to watch our webisodes, make sure you like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash adventures of dad and me thursdays on outdoor channel you won't want to miss a minute of the action-packed lineup on primo's thursday night calls of the hunt check out all the action from deer hunting what a great texas spot to some major fishing that is a beautiful beautiful small man look at that to laying down the law everybody up in the tent get up game warden don't miss thursday night primo's calls of the hunt Starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Outdoor Channel. True to the core. 
When I'm backpacking in the mountains, I like to travel light. That's why I carry Camp Chef's ready-made gourmet outdoor meals. These freeze-dried meals cook right in the pouch. Just add water. With menu choices like cheesy lasagna, teriyaki chicken with rice, and more, these meals taste great. And with a shelf life of seven years, they're also perfect as an emergency food supply at home. Look for Camp Chef's ready-made gourmet meals at a sporting goods store near you or at CampChef.com. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. Cabela's is the world's foremost outfitter for hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. You can outfit all your needs through Cabela's catalogs, online, and their many stores. With the best selection, prices, and quality, all backed by a legendary guarantee. For the best in outdoor gear, go to www.cabelas.com. Best place to find a Boone and Crockett mule deer? Colorado, of course. Best place to learn about them? Colorado's biggest bucks and bulls. Call 719-661-4037. Anybody out there anything they want to share? You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. It just rocks your world. If you're just joining us, we're talking about all things government this week. And, of course, we just heard from old uh, Scott Hayde with the uh, about the Bristol Bay Pebble Mine Project. Yes, he's the director for the Sportsman's Alliance for Alaska. I'm going to do this and embarrass you and me. Steve Klein, he's so fine. He's so fine. He blows my mind. Hey, Steve Klein. Hey, Steve Klein. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Good. Uh, Steve Klein, he's with TRCP. He's the do director. Do that again. Of government relations. Steve Klein, he's so fine. He's so fine. He blows my mind. Hey, Steve Klein. You know what I'm talking about, right, Steve? I do, I do. I get that every day. Man. <laughs> my wife. Sure. Very <laughs> your, your wife sees that all the time. All right, so the Share Act. Now, this is kind of interesting. You like sound like something you would hear on Sesame Street. Today is brought to you by Share. And the number nine. <laughs> I wish <laughs> life was still that simple. All right, so the Share Act. Now, this is, I mean, this is a whole bunch of information. Um, what, do you sure. th- it, what do you think is the most beneficial thing uh, to come out of the SHARE Act? Well, the most beneficial thing to come out of the SHARE Act, and I want to you know, let people know that it stands for Sportsman's Heritage and Recreation Enhancement Act. Uh, the most beneficial thing to come out of the Sportsman's Package, as we call it in D.C., the SHARE Act, is that we've got members of Congress, including leadership, on the floor of the House of Representatives talking about sportsman's issues and how important we are to the national economy. And that's something we've been fighting to have happen for a long time. Yeah. And it's getting traction. People understand that uh, you know, in small communities and, and big communities all across the country, hunters and anglers are important to the, to the economy. It's a piece of legislation with eight different bills included. And, again, I think the most important thing is we've got members of Congress just talking about hunters and anglers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, isn't it funny, though, that uh, we've always been looked upon as like that blister that's just starting to form on your heel. And you don't know what to do about it, and you don't have any moleskin. And now now we've got people actually talking about how we can fix things for sportsmen. Well, and I think that was perfectly pointed out, like Jimbo was saying. Uh, we talked with Andrew McKeon earlier uh, with representing the Farm Bill. You know, finally, outdoorsmen and women in conservation is being heard. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's an important step in the right direction. As you guys said, they've been... We've been pretty easy to ignore in the past, and we've been hobbyists, and it's something you do on the weekend, and our voices are getting a little louder as, as people understand just what it means, uh, first of all, to be a hunter and an angler, and then second, what, how important we are to, to the economy. And when it's all about jobs, uh, sportsmen and women, uh, obviously you guys know this, your listeners know this, we're spending a lot of money 
Uh, yeah. Whether it's on guides and outfitters, uh, tackle, firearms, ammo, uh, it runs the whole game, and we spend billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. Now, you're with the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, and that's a, yes, a big mouthful to say, hey, we're working for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're, uh, yeah, we are trcp.org. Check us out online if you get a chance. And we are a conservation group and guaranteeing everybody a place to hunt and fish. And to come back to why the SHARE Act is so important, it's got several provisions in there that are important for sportsmen's access. And as a lot of people have written, myself included, you know, I'm from a state in Maryland where public hunting is, is tough to find. Yeah. I think I might have said this on your show before, but when I was a kid, the opening day of deer season was like the, the beaches of Normandy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's you know, a lot of stuff out west. We're trying to keep that from happening, right? And, and this bill has a lot of access provisions in it. It basically is going to make sure, several of these pieces of legislation, make sure that on federal public lands, hunting and fishing access is a priority. Uh, hunting, you know, the reason why people stop hunting is because they can't find a place to go. And that's a shame. And when we start to talk about losing access, you know, those economic numbers come down. Yeah. And that's what we have to protect. And that's what this bill, if I had to pick out sort of one thing, that this package of legislation, the most important thing it does is protect access on public ground. You bet. Hey, now, you had mentioned earlier about this sweet spot, like a tennis racket. There's a sweet spot on a tennis racket. There's a sweet spot on a baseball bat. That involves hitting. Where can we hit these guys in the sweet spot to make this go through? We're not talking about kicking anyone in the crotch, either. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it takes, as, a it, big, uh, as a big Baltimore Orioles fan, I like the baseball <laughs> reference. I'd say that, you know, you've got to be calling your members of Congress for responding. It's election time, right? They're, yeah. They want to hear from their constituents. And I think that, especially on the Senate side, uh, we, you know, we need every senator, uh, every state. Uh, at this point, the target list of senators is 100 senators long. It's everybody. We need every, every hunter and fisherman to call every U.S. senator and say, uh, listen, we need a sportsman's package. It's got bipartisan support. Uh, it's a good investment. It's not a lot of money. And, uh, and the money that the federal government does spend, it gets back in, in good, strong American jobs that can't be exported to China. I think that's important to remember. You know, you can't, it's kind of hard to export your, uh, your river guide job to, to Beijing. <laughs> you, you've got to be on the Madison there. So, uh, uh, important talking points these days for sure. I mean, senators need to know that. This is not just a hobby, it's a way of life, and in some cases it supports very, very good jobs. You bet. Hey, that was Steve Klein from the TRCP. That's Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. He's the Director of Government Relations, and he talked to us about the SHARE Act today. You should have a relationship with Steve Klein. Yeah, That'll get I you should. somewhere. He, he did have a relationship. <laughs> I, thought he does. Was, I thought he was a comedian. This is no joke. Don't make a joke about this. Anyways, we are talking about outdoor legislation on today's show. Very interesting. Well, hey, we want to say a special thank you, though, to Outdoor Channel. Outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution. Also, Ruger. Ruger.com. High Mount Seasonings. H-I-M-T-N-G. Jerky.com. Uh, how about Cabela's World's Foremost Outfitter at Cabela's.com. We're coming up on an ad break, Steve. One more time to find out more about you and TRCP, the SHARE Act. Where do we have to head to online to do that? The TRCP.org. That's where you got to go. Coming up next, I have a hard time saying his last name, Mr. Pinizzato, who is the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance. He's coming up, going to be talking about the Sunday hunting ban. Uh, stick around. Here's a quick word from Mark. We will return in just a minute. Outdoor Channel on Lightning. 
So lightning never strikes twice, or does it? In fact, NASA released a document in 2003 pointing out that the same lightning strike often strikes the same place twice, or even three times throughout its life, and lightning strikes are fairly common, occurring about 100,000 times per day worldwide, and a bolt of lightning can raise the temperature of the surrounding air by 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, let's go to a break, and if you haven't already, you should follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash underscore OTN. Do you hear that? That's the sound of your next African safari with Kolobi Safaris. Experience Africa's sights and sounds mingled with true adventure of a big game hunt for the dangerous five or any number of plains game animals. If you've ever dreamed about Africa, then you need to book your trip of a lifetime with Daniel and Doria Dutoy, the purveyors of Kolobi Safaris. Hi, I'm Jim Ferguson. I did, and you should too. Look them up on the web at www. Dot K-O-L-O-B-E-S-A-F-A-R-I-S dot C-O dot Z-A or call them at 011-83-280-7643. What do America's leading scientists say? This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Quit wasting time. Here's Jim and Trav. Hey, if you're just short on you missed old Steve Klein, man. He talked about a lot of things. Yeah, he's with TRCP. Forgot to mention, though, on the air, he just had, well, five months ago, him and his wife had uh, twins. That's yeah. exciting. Congratulations to uh, uh, Mr. Steve and his wife. And the kids. And the young kids. Five-month-old twins. Anyways, right now, be joined by a Nick Pinizzato, and he's the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, Mr. Nick, how's it going, buddy? Going great, guys. Good to be on. Yeah, it's good. We only have to say your name a couple of times. Yeah, that's tough. Because that's really a tongue twister. When when I say your name, I want pasta. Yeah, I don't know why. But, all right, so that's, let's do my whole life. <laughs> let's talk about the Sunday hunting bam. All right, now what exactly? I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're trying to get this eradicated. We we want to be able to hunt on Sundays because you know what do they call that? The blue laws. Blue laws. Right. Blue law. And, um, you know, I want to be able to drink beer and hunt on Sunday. And in some states, I can't do that. Now, what exactly is happening? Well, it's, it's kind of all across the board. You mentioned blue laws. That's a big part of it. A lot of these uh, laws were put on the books back as late as the 1700s. So we're talking a long, long time ago. Um, you mentioned uh, drinking beer on a Sunday. Well, it's funny, you know, in most of these states, you can do that, uh, but you can't go hunting. You can go golfing on a Sunday. You can go shopping. But for whatever reason, you can't go hunting. And Obviously, that doesn't make a lot of sense, and that's why we're trying to change that. Well, actually, Virginia is not the, uh, and we're talking primarily about Virginia today, but uh, it's not necessarily the buckle of the Bible Belt. And so uh, is it because it was one of the original 13 colonies, and uh, they just put these laws in effect, and nobody says, eh, who cares? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, who honestly cares, and why would they mind if it changed? That's a good question, and, you know, it's interesting. Even in other states like Pennsylvania that still more or less has no hunting on Sundays, You'd be surprised that a lot of sportsmen are still sort of torn on the issue, and it's not even necessarily due to a religious belief. It's just because it's been a way of life there for so long. You know, some people say, well, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, wouldn't mind having a day off anyway. But then the reality is, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I lived there a long time. And, you know, for a second, I sort of thought the same thing. But, man, as soon as I got into a state where I could hunt on Sunday, it was like, are you kidding me? You have to be able to hunt on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I just think a part of it is they don't know what they're missing. I mean, that's a... For a lot of people, that's a whole lot of opportunity that they're not getting otherwise, and I just think it'll help with license sales. I mean, I don't think it will. I mean, the studies show that it will, 
uh, the economy, so on and so forth. So it's it's really time to move on, I think, and to uh, step into the new era, so to speak. Yeah, well, looking at the um, economic uh, impact that this could have, okay, I mean, take the average man and woman. You get up 6 o'clock in the morning. Most people, you have to be to work by 7, let's say 8 o'clock. Well, by the time you get home, it's 5, 5.30. You make dinner. So during the week, you can't hunt at all. So you have one day, Saturday, okay? Well, you got your honey-do list. You got to go to a basketball game. You got to do this and that well now you can't go we only have really one day a week that we can hunt when we can't hunt on sunday i mean this could really open up a lot of opportunities for people to get out to further their involvement in outdoor activities plus uh to make a buck i think it opens tons of opportunity and like you said everybody is very busy monday through friday for sure even on saturday sometimes and sunday becomes an excellent day to be out in the outdoors and you know, I, I see it even here in, in my state of Ohio. I'm out hunting on a Sunday. I stop in a convenience store for lunch, and the store is just loaded with hunters. And you take all those people out of that store if they weren't able to hunt on Sunday, and that's just one store in one moment. Um, so if you extrapolate that out across an entire state, we'll say Virginia, for example, that's a huge difference. And, you know, a lot of people try to argue against that. They say that, that the numbers aren't there, but I just think they're being, you know, being blind to the, the reality of the situation. I think it's funny that, you know, looking at the religious aspect on a Sunday afternoon when I get home from church, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I could watch football with these sexually charged ads on television, but I can't go hunting. You know, I mean, what? Really? Now, before I, I've we- never seen a sexually charged deer before. No, I, I'm looking for it. And when I do find it, I'm going to shoot that, Nick. Now, if we want to find out more about you, once again, you are the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance. If we want to find out more about you and this organization, where do we have to head to online to do that? Uh, the best place is our website, which is ussportsman.org. And uh, we've also got a pretty robust fake Facebook presence as well. And uh, we've been deeply involved in Sunday hunting issues everywhere they've popped up and continue to work on them, uh, with Virginia being the current, uh, most current one. Yeah. Now, the question is for you, how many states have laws like this that uh, we need to work on? Yeah. Well, there's still 11 of them. Wow. 11? Uh, 11. Yeah, there's still 11 of them, and they're all more or less in the New England or east, as far south as North Carolina, believe it or not, which is a state that you might be surprised to learn doesn't have Sunday hunting. But uh, there's still 11 of them, and there's a lot of work to do. Again, Pennsylvania, they sell more licenses, and uh, with the exception of Texas, and it's actually really close, which is surprising because of the size of the states. Uh, Pennsylvania sells more hunting licenses than anyone but Texas. Really? They still do not allow hunting on Sunday, which is just remarkable. But they're, they're starting to see a decline in those numbers, and I think it's going to continue because of lack of opportunity. I'll have to stop talking trash on Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's the Keystone State. Oh, I said, man, they're not real hunters. They got to go <laughs> to Texas. That's crazy, though. You know, here in Kansas, you know, obviously we can hunt on Sunday, um, but they left it up to different counties. I know just a couple of years ago, it was statewide. You couldn't drink beer on Sunday. Uh, you yeah. know, a lot of the, the town fathers, you know, still kind of look down upon that. I think it's crazy, though. I Whatever you want to do, I think there's a lot worse things you can do besides enjoying a beer and hunting you obviously don't do those together <laughs> it's, it just gets back to again you know i lived in north dakota for a brief time and the first sunday i lived there i went out to do some shopping in the morning and uh, we go out and all the stores are closed we're like, are you kidding me what's going on <laughs> so they're actually they're closed till noon and yeah. there really is no reason you know for them to be closed other than it is you know somebody's some segments religious belief that it should be closed and that's fine we promote the idea that everybody should have their own beliefs 
but we also promote the idea that we shouldn't interfere with the beliefs of others either. And I think this is an example of where those things kind of collide. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Nick Pinanzato, and he's actually the president and CEO of the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance. You need to get involved and uh, work with uh, Nick on getting these, uh, we'll call them blue laws, for lack of a better term, uh, get them repealed. And if you want to hunt on Sunday, knock yourself out. If you don't want to, say a prayer for us. That's right. Now, one more time, where can we find you online, Nick? Uh, USSportsman.org, or you can find us easily on Facebook. That's right. Just Google them. A lot of stuff is going to come up. We, we, but we want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel, outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution. Also, Ruger, Ruger.com, High Mountain Seasonings, H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Also, Cabela's, World's Foremost Outfitter at Cabela's.com. Here is a quick word for Mark. You better listen to it, or Mark will come tickle you. Uh, Mr. Nick Man, that was just gross. <laughs> yeah, it was. Nick Man, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I will come tickle them. Thanks, guys. Outdoor Channel on Niagara Falls. Remember, don't go chasing waterfalls. Niagara Falls actually consists of three sets of waterfalls. Canada's Horseshoe Falls are the longest, with a 2,600-foot brink, while the Connected American and Bridal Veil Falls have a 1,060-foot brink. In total, 750,000 gallons of water run over the falls every second. So for outdoor tips, facts, and great destinations, be sure to check out our archive shows at Outdoor Channel dot com forward slash revolution just sit and listen you're listening to the revolution with jim and trav it just rocks your world hey that was quite a show wasn't it yeah and you're back mrs bonnie i'm back anyway who do you want to say a special thank you to hey we want to say a special thanks to our 427 affiliate stations advertisers and everyone that makes the show possible like miss bunny fun joe our producer mark Pinari, and frank the sound guy how about andrew mckeon steve klein also nick pinazato and scott hayne you know what get outdoors this week and make sure you take some kids with you uh introduce them to a healthy lifestyle yeah get a hold of Nick and get some cannolis exactly pinazato uh god bless you though we love you so does bunny bunny loves you long time uh, you know, news weather, it is coming up next. Stick around. We'll talk to you boys and girls next week. May love you long time. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.